The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the Lower Decks episode, In the Cradle of Vexalon. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going? And Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, be sure to stick around to the end of the episode. We have more of your fantastic listener feedback. And I want to encourage you, if you have not yet done so already, please follow The Secrets of Star Trek in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. So we're on Spotify. Tune in in your favorite podcast app or watch us on our YouTube channel, where you should make sure to also hit the bell to get notifications. And I want to tell you also about another show on the StarQuest Network you are certain to enjoy called PlayStation Portable. It is an opportunity for prayer at several times of the day based on the liturgy of the hours of the Catholic Church. You can find that also where fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash PSP. I was just on vacation last week and used it while dry, while road tripping. Nice. Used it to pray the bravery as I was going. So Excellent. wonderful way to do it. Good use of that. So we're talking about the, in the cradle of Vexelon and uh, Jimmy, could you give us a recap of this episode? This week, the Cerritos visits a ring world or a halo world if you're into video games. Mm. And it was built a long time ago by a long extinct race. It's run by a computer named Vexelon, who is actually a nice AI that doesn't mm. want to conquer anybody. And Vexelon has created a paradise for the ring world inhabitants. However, Vexelon is in need of systems maintenance. And rather than having her engineers do it, Captain Freeman decides to do it herself. Unfortunately, things go wrong when she tries upgrading Vexelon's operating system and the AI initiates a regenesis sequence on the ring world that would wipe out the current environments and all their inhabitants and start over. Meanwhile, Boimler is leading his first away mission as a lieutenant junior grade. It involves replacing dangerous equipment that could blow up if handled incorrectly, and Boimler is unable to delegate the task to the instance under his command, lest they be put at risk. So he ends up trying to comically do it all by himself. But when the regenesis starts, Talin convinces him that he must delegate and let the other ins- and let the ensigns do their jobs. Also, meanwhile, up on the Cerritos, a full lieutenant named Dirk has assigned Mariner, Rutherford, and Tindy a seemingly meaningless task, and they think he's hazing them. So in his quarters, they set up the equipment to trap him in an Alamarain count to four game, along with a really annoying Betazoid gift box. And just as they're about to spring the trap, he profoundly thanks them for the task they were doing, which he very sincerely says was super important for the survival of the ship. He also confesses that he was once horribly traumatized by being trapped in an Alamorain game for a month and not being smart enough to figure out how to get out of it. And he's currently in therapy, in therapy for this. Mariner then gets him to start talking endlessly about his favorite kind of spacey space music, while Tindy rushes through the seemingly meaningless task he assigned to them, and Rutherford goes to disarm the trap. Unfortunately, Rutherford gets trapped inside the game with the gift box, but he rushes through it as well. Then he sneaks the equipment out of Dirk's quarters. 
Back on the planet, Boimler's team completes what they needed to do with the dangerous equipment, but it starts overheating. Boimler orders the ensigns and Talin to safety, and he stands watch, ready to shut down the equipment as soon as Captain Freeman gives the word. She completes the computer repairs and gives the word. But Boimler hits the switch a fraction of a second too late, and the equipment explodes. Boimler dies and goes to a place where we see the afterlife Black Mountain and the koala. Then Dr. Ta'ana miraculously revives him. And finally, up on the ship, Mariner, Rutherford, and Tindy say they misjudge Dirk and will assume the best in people from now on. Only for us to get a shot of Dirk talking to Ransom and admit it, as I totally called, that he was totally <laughs> hazing them the whole time, yeah. that he made up his fake Alamorain trauma, and that he totally enjoyed making them suffer. The end. <laughs> yeah. Father Corey, uh, overall impressions. And uh, well, maybe, maybe you could talk about the first your overall impressions of the first two episodes since you weren't here for those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll start with we'll start with this one just because this is the current one, but then we'll, I'll move to the other ones. But this, this, you know, this was a good one. It wasn't the their humor was there, but it wasn't as as strong as other lower deck episodes were, it was played well. You know, of course you had the frustrations of the, the, the newly minted Lieutenant JG learning that, no, you still have superiors that are going to make you do mindless tasks, like counting, counting chips, you know, stuff like that, <laughs> you know, checking every single chip out of, you know, 5,000 or how many ever were in this room, you're still going to have tasks like that. You're still going to have superiors that are going to give you grief, you know, and things like that. Um, Anybody who's had trouble delegating tasks could will absolutely fit with Boimler, you know, understand completely of it's just easier for me. Sometimes it's easier for me to do it myself. Sometimes it's I know what I'm doing and it's safer to do it myself, whatever the reason might be, you know, so it was it was a good episode. And then, you know, and I actually you'll see the captain, you know, putting getting her rolling up her sleeves, so to speak, and, and getting getting involved in the whole whole work and even messing up. The captain mm-hmm. made a mistake or at least didn't realize what would happen when she took the steps she did. So that was good. Um, so for the other two, the other two were, were great. I loved the Voyager of, of episode two. Vix was, was a lot of fun. They, they, how many episodes of Voyager did they have to watch to come with all the themes <laughs> from Voyager? I mean, they pulled so much from, you know, seven seasons of Voyager and crammed it into one. And then you've got the, 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 the uh, docent for the museum there. Who's just, uh, beside himself every little thing is done everything needs to be perfect on this ship the ship nothing can go wrong nothing can be damaged and of course the ship's you know getting gunked up by the alien microbe <laughs> and all that stuff uh so that that one was a, a lot of fun and the whole issue with the tuvix where it's like well i had i had concerns but now that's just this big ball of of biological matter yeah let's separate them who cares <laughs> yeah but um so that was that was that was a fun one um and then the menagerie episode i was also great uh you know someone someone online that the little uh the little white death or you know bone sucking moopsie <laughs> was actually a, a a pokemon callback i really think it was i absolutely think it was uh that was definitely supposed to be a pokemon it was it was that was a lot of fun as well. And especially when the, the, the humans they were there to save were actually the ones causing the problems in the first place. So they just left them there. <laughs> so I, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed this season so far. This has been, this yeah. has been another very good three episodes of uh, Lord deck so far. So Jimmy, your impression of uh, in the cradle of Exelon. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, we did have this interesting dynamic of the lower deckers is now, lower middle deckers where you've got <laughs> you've got uh boy you've got mariner tindy and rutherford 
getting mistreatment from above and you've got Boimler trying to manage people below him. So we had mm-hmm. kind of a, both of a look up and a look down on their current situation. And, um, and it was, it was fun. Yeah. I like this one. Not as much as the first two of the season, but I, I did enjoy this. Uh, uh, some of the, some of the things you said, Father Corey, um, and you know, there's a, there's an interesting dynamic now where they are these lower middle deckers. It started to feel a little bit like the office where you have this, these crazy things that happen that would, mm-hmm. you know, that would, that are not real. They're, they're very, they're parodies of stuff, but there's still this, this sense of, I don't know, this, these interactions and you know, you, you've know the characters now it's four seasons and there's a understand, there's a, you understand who they are and you don't have to explain everything. And they just, you just kind of j- jump into the story and they are who they are. And that interaction yep. can be funny. So I enjoy yeah. that. And as as usual, Lower Decks just packs so much in. Mm-hmm. Um, for 22 minutes, my outline had 35 points in it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I also should mention, talking again about the, the previous episodes, but th- this as well is, you know, and of course, you know, the Lower Deckers, they, they're much faster to promotion than Harry Kim. So, <laughs> yeah. Of course, I'm, they called out in the Voyager episode. <laughs> yes, that was that was good. Uh, so we have this uh, ring world Corazonia in a bespoke star system, which I think is an interesting thing within an, uh, an environment, environmental controlling computer called Vexelon, where we've seen homicidal, uh, maniacal uh, supercomputers before called out. His <laughs> father, Corey's got the, the mug. self-aware megalomaniacal computer storage mug. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but Vexelon for a change is not one of those, although it does, uh, it's old and malfunctioning and therefore uh, it's still a problem. And uh, the, all the people, all the residents of the planet are, uh, or of the ring world are poets and artists and the like. And I, I thought it was funny that this, this early scene where like one of the, the sculptors she says um oh i've been so stressed lately that my sculptures have been suffering and ransom does this art critic you know oh that's a pretty clumsy expression of form as he's looking at her art and then oh no not those ones these are the ones that are terrible and they're exactly the same yeah yeah. (laughs) identical i love that it's like like a a slam on uh some modern abstract art you know yep (laughs) and and ransom has a serious critique of what's wrong with them (laughs) (laughs) captain freeman is trying to diplomatically shush this up and let's get moving (laughs) talking about the artists and poets thing this is a this is parodying a trope in science fiction where you have it's kind of like famous past lives in reincarnation studies where everyone's someone famous mm-hmm. and that's just not practical in a lot of science fiction everyone's an artist or a poet or whatever i remember reading <clears throat> i think it was marion zimmerman bradley although no no I apologize if i get that wrong but i think it was marion zimmerman bradley and i was reading one of her ethological works of science fiction where she's describing a society and her narrator is of course like an artist mm-hmm. and it, and you get the impression that everyone in the story is an artist or a scientist or something like that and you know um well just <laughs> it's a little nope. It's a little non-functional and hoity-toity for my taste. So yeah. I wrote a science fiction novel. I haven't published this one. And for for 
intellectual property rights reasons, I don't know that I'll ever be able to publish it because it's based on something else. But I decided for this science fiction novel, my main character is a truck driver. That's all he is. He's not a genius truck driver. He's not an artist truck driver. He's not a scientist truck driver. He is a truck driver. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, no, like, it, it's, it is a definite trope, especially in Star Trek, that you always have these idyllic worlds. Yeah. That everything is perfect. And so when people aren't, yeah, they aren't doing the truck driving or trash collection or things like that. Oh, no, they're like you said, they're scientists or whatever. And, and that's and of course, it's always like they're unprepared when things go wrong. You know, if, if anything, it's a critique against having people who are just, you know, these these perfect artists and right. things like that. What about the, you know, the idyllic world where one guy decides that his ideal would be to learn how to smoke meats to perfection? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, let's have some variety in the ide- ideal uh, imagery of what of idyllic world sounds idyllic like. to me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, Vexilon itself is self-effacing and humble. And, it, and the way it talks, it sounds like it's going through like a middle age health crisis. It's like a character on Seinfeld or something. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was kind of funny. Yeah. And uh and, and like you said, Freeman will do the repair herself. And the whole update, it's like a Windows update. You know, yep. I mean? it's like it goes wrong. You have to reboot. She has to pull the plug. And it's like, it's, it's, it's mean, this comedy of errors. If your Windows computer has been running for six million years, it, it probably is going to need a reboot at some <laughs> point. Oh, wait, a Windows computer will never last that long because it can't go two weeks without needing a reboot. <laughs> right, right. But any sysadmin for, for a server farm will will, will uh, appreciate what Freeman's, oh, yeah. uh, you know, her, her troubles here at updating this computer. So uh, and that, it was kind of even though it's the crux of the action it this is a minor subplot of this story. Mm-hmm. This is the C plot, I would say, with the B plot being Boimler and the A plot really go, what's going on on the ship, even though the episode is called In the Cradle of Exelon. So I, just, I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of uh, interesting. We get more to Lynn, the Vulcan uh, science officer on loan from the Vulcan yep. Navy, whatever it is. Um, and uh, I, I like the fact that as she's she's the straight man in this comedy duo. Boimler is obviously the, you know, the inept bumbler and she keeps feeding him lines, you know, and ideas that kind of extend the comedy, make him more neurotic uh, or or eventually come to the solution. I like her addition to this. I like at the beginning, you know, he's as they're about to get in the shuttle to fly down to do the equipment transfer. He's talking himself up because this is his first mission, you know, commanding other people. And. He's he's talking himself up. You can do this and so forth. And she comes up and says, have you completed your confidence boosting ritual? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's exactly what he's doing. Yep. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and then Mariner Tendy and, and Rutherford uh, have now realized that now that they're lieutenants, junior grade, they have access to the anomaly storage room because, you know, every starship yes. has, has to store these anomalies they encounter. Uh, and that I mean, this is got to be gold for the writers, this <laughs> this idea. Uh, we'll so see they, it again. We'll definitely see it again. Yes. <laughs> this is where they encounter the creepy Betazoid gift box and the uh, Alamarine game uh, again. You know, the we'll see, yeah. see those throughout. Well, and then, and then, then the spider that bit ransom. So then he became the, the, the big giant head <laughs> was in there. Mm-hmm. Rutherford right. was about to touch the, that case of it and got pulled off real quick from that. 
So most listeners will probably remember the Alamarine game from Deep Space Nine, which is mm-hmm. it's like a holographic environment that it sort of traps you in a pocket dimension until you can figure out your way through the game. Right. And it, incor- it incorporates chanting and hopscotch and other stuff. And it's 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 regarded widely by fans as one of the most annoying things ever yep. on right. Deep Space Nine. Um, the. Um, uh, fewer people may remember the Betazoid gift box because that was like yep. from first season Next just Generation. About it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it's the episode where Deanna Troy's arranged wedding is avoided. And the episode starts with a gift box being delivered to announce the the wedding that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the groom's family pulled the trigger on the contract. And so now Deanna's supposed to get married. And the gift box was played by Armin Shimmerman who later played Quark. But basically, mm-hmm. the gift box's face, the gift box is a box, but it's got a face on it, which is like silvered. And and it, and when the face is not active, it's just, you know, it's got its eyes closed and it's passive, but then it suddenly animates and starts talking. <laughs> and it's like, I bring you great, great greetings of tremendous joy. And it like then disgorges a bunch of, <laughs> trinkets as gifts and it's really creepy and annoying and um and so that's what they're harking back to here um but it is it is like yeah that's really creepy and annoying what is it that uh, uh mariner says oh yeah it, the the game it keeps saying alamaray lemon meringue <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and of course the, the game was called wadi chula chula wadi was chula. the name of the game from the wadi wadi that's right. That's right. Race. Um, and in fact, as Rutherford's racing through it inside, he's kind of running by the, like he knows exactly all. It's like he's doing a speed run, basically yeah. like a Mario Brothers exactly speed run. Doing. He's doing a literal speed run through the game. And the, the, the Wadi guy in it is very disappointed because he won't stay and play the game. <laughs> no time. <laughs> so, uh, so that, you know, after they go to the anomaly room, they get the, assign this job to scan isolinear chips by hand and you know there's thousands of them and then when they complete the task they think oh we finally we finished and we haven't found the single one that's bad dirk comes back and says oh did you check the the second layer and then he presses yep. a button and the thing goes yeah up. <laughs> and, and here we have one of the best lines of the seer of the episode where i think it's it's Tindy says, uh, why didn't you tell us about these? You know, this whole second yep. layer. And Dirk says, I don't know. I, I The hidden button seemed obvious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the hidden button the hidden seemed, seemed obvious. obvious. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, that this is about the time they start discussing whether this is hazing. And uh, as Mariner says, Hazing is pranks dressed up as team building that nobody really likes. Yes. <laughs> I think that's a great definition. Of, does anybody actually like team building? So I, you know, I, I think that's it's a repetitive there. Actually, there is a bit of a sociological function for hazing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that so if you're if you have a group of people that you want to be a team, um you need uh, you need all the members of the team to invest in it so they can mm-hmm. trust each other and count on each other. And one of the ways of achieving that is by putting is by making new members suffer to be right. part of the team, because that way they invest in the team and they're showing their commitment to the team, to the other members who now know, OK, we can count on this person. They went through the right. difficulty of joining. So now we can 
now we can count on them and we can respect them as a fellow member, as opposed to someone who just uh, joins a team with no entrance requirements and no commitment. And I'm just a fair weather friend who you may not be able to count on in the future. Right. Well, that's right. that's one thing. Military uh, basic training boot camp. Uh, everybody always thinks of the physical aspect of it. They think of the, uh, you know, the the firearms training and so on, you know, the, the, the that kind of stuff. But a big part of it and it, admittedly, you know, the Air Force promotes it more than they do the physical is that going through difficult actions, difficult situations um, such as, you know, the training instructor in your face yelling at you because your uniform isn't perfect um, because it does help you again, build up as part of the team. You know, the, the Air Force is, was clear, at least when I went through it, the purpose of, of basic training is to break you down as a civilian and to build you up as a member of the Air Force team. You right. know, and so and that, that's hazing plays that same role in smaller teams and smaller groups. And, and part of it, too, is kind of, you know, human nature of people we like, we give them a hard time. You know, we give them grief. We, you know, gentle ribbing and things like that. You know, yeah. so, I mean, it kind of comes off of that as well. And there's good and bad hazing, too. Like the, yeah. some people mm -hmm. may be thinking of like fraternity hazing, which is dangerous or and is often banned on college campuses. But light hazing, ribbing, you it's part of the importance of initiation rituals, which yeah. is it, it depends on the group and the more serious the group yeah. and the more danger the group's going to involve, the more serious the hazing yep. and difficulty of joining needs to be. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. if this is a super serious group that's like going to go into lethal combat, well, you need people who are really committed to doing it right. Yep. yep. Like yeah. SEAL team uh, buds training, <laughs> which yeah. is serious hazing. <laughs> Versus Boy Scouts where you have like snipe, snipe hunts and snipe hunts, yes. going, going to get a left-handed smoke shifter. That was a popular <laughs> yes. one too. I did that to my kids. <laughs> I managed to not experience either of those. I, I've read about snipe hunts, but I have no yeah. clue what a left-handed smoke shifter is. Or left-handed smoke bender was the one uh, that we always yeah. did. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the smoke's getting in my face off the campfire. Can you go get into the box, the uh, yeah. equipment box, and get me the left-handed mm. smoke bender? Mm. And then, you know, they never come back. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, one thing I did like about the uh, update is, uh, the you know, the uh, update of Exelon is at one point they have a frozen progress bar. And I'm like, yes. oh, man, yes. everybody <laughs> can sympathize with that. <laughs> that was good. Well, then you had the crash screen where it looked like, you know, an Apple, an Apple or something like that crash screen, you know, and it just <laughs> completely blank with yep. a X. Yes. And we, you know, some of us have experienced that and have had similar, maybe not the world blowing up, but similar, like horrified. What is going on? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Blue screen of death. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yes. So you mentioned Boimler, uh, who being as nervous as Boimler always is, uh, being so nervous that he's not leading his people. He's doing the work for them. And that is a, actually a pretty common experience for people mm -hmm. who are new to managing teams and leading. And I've, mm -hmm. it's just sometimes a struggle to have to have people report to you. Like, I know it would be faster for me to just do it than for me to explain right. it is sometimes a problem. But in this case for Boimler, it's, I'm just, especially once Tillin gives him the stats on death rates for ensigns under new, new Lieutenant junior grade, uh, Lieutenant's junior grade. Is uh, is he's like I just am afraid that I'm going to get them killed, so I'm just going to yeah. do it, and that and they they won't have to worry about that. But it's a real leadership issue, which mm -hmm. I think is mm -hmm. a fun way of exploring it. So so he ends up doing it all. I actually have so some years ago I was in a position where I was overseeing a department, 
And it was the first time that I'd, I mean, not the first time I'd had um, people reporting to me because I'd been assistant manager of things before, but, um, but it was the first time I was a department head and it was interesting for me being a, someone who gives orders rather than just taking them. And it was kind of the first time I was I was in a position where I had to do that on a regular basis. And as my um, way of dealing with it, I said, I'm going to pretend this is next gen. And so I'm going to say, <laughs> how would Captain Picard handle this? And it actually, you know, you because you, they, they've got an extremely functional work environment in next mm -hmm. gen. Uh, Captain Picard is a manager. He does not have a problem delegating. He does not take everything on himself. Mm -hmm. He's got a competent crew that he trusts to do their jobs and to be competent. So I said, that's the attitude I'm going to take. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, OK, this is effectively like next gen. And I'm going to try to act in the most reasonable way. I'm going to be like Picard. I'm going to listen to people. I'm going to make decisions. I'm going to give them instructions. And then I'm going to let them do their job and trust them to do it and not second guess them all the time. Mm -hmm. And it actually was a it actually was a, a good management strategy. Mm -hmm. Well, the interesting thing, too, with this one, of course, is he's just been promoted to a higher mm -hmm. rank and now he's over people he's been working with. Mm hmm. Yeah, yep. for, you know, several years now. And that can be difficult where and I, I actually I, I saw this a little bit in the Air Force where uh, traditionally in the Air Force, when you hit E4 senior airmen, you are given more responsibility, including some oversight responsibility of younger airmen, lower ranking airmen. And that was kind of a weird feeling where like literally the day I put on the, the rank, uh, my my supervisor has said, hey, I've got to be out for the afternoon. You're in charge. And he meant it. It was, wasn't mm -hmm. like of a ah ha ha joke. It's like, no, if, if something's up, you need to take care of it. Mm -hmm. And that's a really strange thing. So I, I see where Boimler was coming from in that where it's like, oh, I'm not just responsible for myself. I'm also responsible for mm -hmm. others. I think there's a book, by the way, about like the leadership. Every, everything I, ne I needed, I learned on Star Trek. Right. Well, it was like one that was specifically about like mm. leadership principles from Captain Picard or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's going to be interesting. Uh, so they uh, they set up this elaborate prank in Dirk's quarters, including the Beta Z box. And when Rutherford gets out, the, the Beta Z box gets zapped. And I think it's by the same thing that zaps Picard, yes. which makes him live a lifetime in a moment. In fact, yep. is that the episode title or something along those yeah, lines? That, that's what I, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, it'll yeah. like yeah because the, the the box says was that an alternate universe? <laughs> Did I just live an alternate life? Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry mm -hmm. about that. I miss my wife, which is funny <laughs> given that the 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 line from uh, we'll talk about in mm -hmm. our feedback and the line from Tuvix, <laughs> I, yep. I miss my wife. Uh, yep. <laughs> so maybe that's gonna be a theme. Uh, but yeah, the 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 box was the box was foul malted the first time we saw it, wasn't it? Like it, they bleeped it. <laughs> it's kind of oh yeah, because I, 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 that was I, I didn't. Well, it catch was deranged. Why. It was meant. It was deranged. It was, it right. was it just was, annoyingly annoying. It was also deranged. That's right. That's right. So, you know, Boimler is uh, killed in the explosion, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, and he has this experience, which I really, I really feel like they're really developing this afterlife idea of. Mm -hmm. He's sitting in this room, which kind of reminded me of the room that Picard was sitting in with Data in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
And I thought that's where they were going with it. Uh, and then we see the koala there. And I just love the idea that they've they've made this the afterlife. And we see the black mountain out the and, window. Yep. Right. And the then the koala saw. and the koala comes up to him and says something, but we can't understand what it is. Yeah. I want to believe that it's a drop bear, not a koala. Just I just want. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are death koalas, so yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, and then I and he 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 only has a minute. We don't get to see the return ritual because he's only there for a minute, and then he's shocked back to life in mm-hmm. his body. And Doctor Taana says, "Holy blank! I can't believe that worked." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Well. In, in, well, and, and Boiler wakes up, get it off me, get it off me. He's trying to get the koala away from him, you know, and that's how he wakes up. And then he and then he dies again. And Dr. Ta'ana turns to her assistant and says, give me 30 cc's of whatever that was that worked the first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that was yeah, funny. I, I also like yep. Ransom. Uh, comes up to him at one point and he's like, well done, Mr. Boimler. You never forget your first death. Only yep. more and more dangerous missions from here on out. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. and until Lynn is like, you know, the uh, the the death death rate of Lieutenant Junior Grades is is continues. <laughs> right, right. Well, <laughs> I'm reading this book about World War Two, and it's one of the things they talk about in this in the book is how. Uh, the the death rate among the junior officers in mm-hmm. the in, in the field was and really high. Like well, they they ran through the lieutenant second well, lieutenant a that's, lot. That's why um, in the the military now uh, the 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 rank structure the rank insignia is all subdued to match the uniform. It's right. not because it used to be like it would be like actual brass or you know silver or not silver but you know brass or something yep. like that on the on the helmet, which of course makes the exact spotting site. You know, something to for, for a, a target, yeah. exact target for snipers, but also why they don't salute on the battlefield now. Right. Because, again, the enemy would see the younger, the, the enlisted saluting the officers like, oh, there's our target. Right. Well, also the uh, the fact that they were young and not <laughs> right to be thrown into combat yeah. uh, pretty quickly. So, yeah, that that too. Not 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 as much training as they needed. Yeah. Right, right. Their uh, callow youth is the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Band of Brothers does a good job of uh, showing that uh, the the series. So uh, then we we find out that Dirk and Ransom are hazing them after all, which which you know mm-hmm. a, a classic lower decks ending. Shall we say we we we're at the point now where we can say classic lower decks. We're season four, so uh, yep. we have that lower lower decks <laughs> ending. Any further notes, Father Corey? I kind of get a kick out of the power conduits that. Boimler and the ensigns we're working on looked very similar to the NX-01 warp drive. Yeah. Very similar design. And I, it was, you know, they did say that those, those were installed at first contact from the Federation. So it kind of says that this is, that this stuff has been here for, you know, a hundred years or more Yep, as well, yep. you know, that they were, they were older, older equipment to begin with. So it's, that's a yeah. good point. That yep. was kind of a, that was a, a cool Cool callback, and we'll talk about Enterprise in, in a little bit when we get to feedback as well. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Jimmy, you any further notes for you? Uh, just one. I like the when when Vexelon first starts to malfunction. Uh, one of the things that starts happening is all of the clouds that are f- floating in the sky <laughs> instantly turn into ice and fall out of the sky and shatter. Right, <laughs> and they don't diminish in volume; they just turn to solid ice, clunk, and they're all shattered. <laughs> And causing various problems for people on the ground. But I yep. liked that. I thought that was interesting and fun. Yeah, that in a was. In comedic way. Yeah. Yep. 
All right, so let's get to that feedback we mentioned. Our first feedback comes from the season premiere of season four Lower Decks called Tuvix. Uh, Kelly on Facebook. T-W-O-V-I-X. Yes. And Kelly on Facebook wrote, wrote just simply hashtag justice for Tuvix, T-U-V-I-X, yeah. the original <laughs> Tuvix. Uh, but then she went to YouTube and she gave us this comment. Uh, I'm so glad that Lower Decks is back. This was hilarious. I love the focus on Voyager. I wonder if next season we'll get an episode focused on Enterprise. There were so, so many. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. There were so many deep cuts in this. I think the biggest laugh out loud moment for me was when the Irish guy from Fairhaven said, I miss my wife. Originally, that <laughs> holiday character had a wife. But when Janeway started lusting after him, she told the computer to delete the wife. <laughs> so speaking of the, the Enterprise, uh, they, they have said the uh, the the. Producers of, of Lord X has said they will be starting to pull in more enterprise content. Okay. So we probably will get an enterprise centric episode, if not this season, next season. So I'm looking forward to that. That could be good as well. Hopefully they'll call out the, the supposed rumored last episode where it was all just a holodeck program. Hopefully they'll call out that, that, that filthy rumor that that actually exists. But. <laughs> no, I hope they call out the, the decontamination room. Which oh, yeah. Oh, geez. that'll definitely happen. <laughs> For dad content. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And uh, the, yes, the, the, the I miss my wife line, which calling out another one in the same episode, another one of Janeway's very terrible acts. I mean, that was I mean, it's yep. still just a holiday character, but man, it's it, it is creepy. Um, at the same time, these are fictional characters. Yeah. And so you're basically rewriting part of a story you don't like. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Not like the three of us would know anything about that. Rewriting yeah. stories. <laughs> yeah. Changing parts we don't like. Here's what they could have done instead. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true. <laughs> or just ignoring whole parts of you know episodes that you know aren't even worth talking about. Right. Right. <laughs> or series. Yes. And then our next feedback comes from the next episode. I have no bones and I must flee where uh, James on YouTube writes. I'm glad to be enjoying another season of Lower Decks. I just wanted to add one to your list of Star Trek Menagerie episodes in the eye of the beholder from the animated series. Kirk, Spock and McCoy get captured by giant alien slugs with elephant trunks and put in a zoo. I watched the animated series when I was really young, and for some reason, the aliens in that episode made a big impression on little me. I really <laughs> like how Lower Decks throws in a lot of references to the often forgotten animated series. I remember that episode of, of the animated series as well. I haven't rewatched it recently, but I definitely remember the giant red alien slugs. Yeah, I'd mm -hmm. forgotten what they what plot function they were playing, though. But yeah, now that I think about it, they did kind of trap humans in a menagerie. <laughs> It is the uh, 50th anniversary of the animated series. Yep. And so yep. Star Trek.com has been celebrating that uh, recently. We'll have more to say about that soon. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, I'm glad we're doing that animated series as part of Secrets of Star Trek uh, as well. All right. So that's our feedback. And thank you both, James and Kelly. We would like to take a moment to also thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the Secrets of Star Trek, including Jeremiah N., Paul O., David M., Michael V., and Angelica G. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest, and you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. This StarQuest show is brought to you in part by Sam Castry Law, LLC, focusing on business and entertainment law in the greater Chicagoland area and intellectual property law across the U.S., 
Learn more by visiting castrelaw.com. C-A-S-T-R-E-E law.com. Licensed to practice in Illinois and before the United States Trademark Office. So that's it from us. What did you think of the Cradle of Vexilon or in the Cradle of Vexilon? Uh, let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. And you can, of course, watch us on The Secrets of Star Trek on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Media, where you can leave a comment and be sure to subscribe and like. We'll be back next time. We're going to be discussing the next new episode of Lower Decks. And until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Star Trek. Thank you and live long and prosper. Father Corey Stika, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, I am Vexilon. Welcome to your new world. Welcome to your new world.